Wichita, highlighting the movers and shakers of the Wichita area. With your host, Josh Sears. What's up, Wichita? We are back for episode number two of the We Move Wichita podcast. I'm your host, Josh. And back on the board, our studio engineer here at Red Cat, Luke Wallace, is with us tonight as well. Hello, hello. And I've got a couple of pretty cool guys with me here this evening. Want to visit with uh, Marty Johnson and Jeremy Johnson of Johnson's Garden Center. Marty is the CEO and Jeremy is the president and COO. Uh, To kind of tie things together a little bit, Jeremy is pretty good friends with BJ, who we had on our last episode from Walnut River Brewing. And those two met at Friends University in the Executive MBA program there. So we're really happy to have them with us this evening. Uh, Johnson's Garden Center is kind of an incredible story. I've, I've always met Marty five or six years ago through riding bikes, and it's always kind of fascinated me. Marty, you made the comment to me that Johnson's Garden Center has been around for 90 years this year. 90 years was in... 1928, my grandfather bought some property and um, started, well, he was, had been truck farming, but that's kind of the location. He was on uh, Douglas and West Street. They moved up to where Presbyterian Manor is right now on West 13th Street, but was raising fruits and vegetables for um, the Wichita market. And, um, and then when my father was overseas during World War II, bought the land where our president West 13th Street store is right now. And during that time in in America and society that I think the concept of a garden center started to evolve and um, they really went away from the fruits and vegetables more into to bedding plants and tomato plants and vegetable plants. And um, so that's kind of the... Sh- five-second story of the history of Johnson's Garden Center. Okay. The, and, all the beginnings of it. And so, Jeremy, your son's with us here tonight. And so is Jeremy then, is, is, is are you generation four or are you generation five? I'm generation four. Okay. Uh, generation five was, was at the store today putting in some work. Nice, so, nice, very um, good. Started them kind of officially a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, I'm, I'm fourth generation. And, okay. Um, you got, got a couple daughters that are, yeah, nine and... 11, so not not really deciding what they want to do yet, but they, they enjoy coming and helping at the store. That's awesome. So was this was it the same way for you um, back when you, I mean, dad owned the business, you're the young, you're the young kid running around. I, I, do you have those same kind of memories that you're building with your kids? I guess I like to, to think so. Okay. Um, you know, I think when, when dad was, was a, a, a kid growing up, there were three boys and, and two girls in the house. And I think grandma used to send them, they, they lived kind of there at the at the, the store on 13th Street. And I think she used to send them out. Well, send the boys. Send the boys out to, to go work at the, at the store to, to okay. get out of her hair. <laughs> 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 or, or, uh, the girls were uh, well-behaved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the obnoxious boys or the ornery boys that are always out, um, yeah, putting in the time. So, Marty, when did you officially get into the business, or when did you get your start you know, then officially? You, you, you fill up that paperwork and like an application for loan, whatever, and then what, you know how long you've been working there. And so, 
on, on that form, I put 1976 because I had, had say, grew up in the business, had gone to Fringe University for two years, and then went to K-State one year, uh, took horticulture classes, but then, then came back, and uh, it was time to to start working. And um, so that was really, I guess, when I started working full-time would have been after I came back uh, from K-State that year. So I always put 1976, but, you know, grew up in the business. We lived right next door, and like Jeremy said, Mom would send us up there. And we and we liked it. I mean, it was, it was close. We enjoyed... Um, working, horsing around <laughs> at the store, but um, they, it was my grandfather worked there, so it was always we enjoyed it. Yeah. So when you got your start, or, or as you kind of were growing up and around the business, and there's a sense of family, and the boys going out, and you and your brothers, and and just horsing around, putting in some elbow grease. Uh, was this something that you always knew that you wanted to do, or was it something that you kind of came into later on in life? No, I think I, yeah, I always, I never wanted or thought about doing anything else. Okay, you know, I never. Um, the only other job I've had was when I was at, at Kansas State. I worked at Blueville Nursery uh, when I was going to school at K State. And interesting enough, Jeremy worked at Blueville when he was at K State, and we're the first. Uh, first and second generation that that worked at, at Blue oh that's Bay, which awesome kind of interesting but no that I think that's the only thing I've ever really wanted to do or um, never sought out anything else and and maybe you'll ask Jeremy the same question I I, I don't know that we were ever forced to work in the business and I do, I don't think we made Jeremy work there probably we we were encouraged and he was encouraged because right. you know Jeremy was even. As a junior high and high school, we depended on, and he was knowledgeable, grew up in the business. So. Yeah. Now, did you feel the same way? I mean, was this always something that you looked at as, I, I want to do this? Yeah, growing up, we, we didn't live at the, the store during my, my younger years. Um, moved to the, the house that, that dad grew up in, I think, when I was in eighth grade. Um, so I was kind of at the, at the store there. But, uh, you know, I, I always enjoyed... Even as a, a child going to going to work and helping out, and um, you know, probably may have been more of a, a pest to the employees around, and um, but you know, ma- making boxes and, and doing doing stuff that needed to happen, yeah. and then um, you know, kind of started in in high school. I think I was probably a sophomore that um, okay. started started really with you know my name on the schedule and, and some hours and some some scheduled work, and um, I, I just just enjoyed it. Um, yeah, definitely. So let me ask you this. Because it's it, it's come up, I've I've heard it come up in other places and different seminars and places I've been, and there's always kind of this this idea that you know juniors coming into the business or whatever. But it sounds like, and it sounds like both of you are firm believers in this. Um, did you when you got started? Was it a situation where it was like I'm going to have to pay my dues and I'm going to have to put in the elbow grease? How important is that? I, I guess it's very important. I don't know that I ever thought about it though. You just just did the work. It's yeah, still, I, I don't know that I ever. I mean, yeah, I guess you think about it in that. Yeah, like you know, this last week, Jeremy and I we were putting in plants inside because it was going to freeze. Well, right. it had to be done. Yeah, and, and that it's probably though more important for your employees and the people that you work with to see that. As opposed to, I mean, you know, it's that old adage that if you, you know, if you're doing something you love, you never work a day in your life. And 
you know, it's interesting to hear you say that, that, you know, we don't even think of this as work. It's just what we do. Um, it, does that kind of, does that philosophy, is that something that you see in your employees as well as they've been there over the years? A lot of them. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah, they they work a lot of hours. We've had uh, Sally's at our East store. We opened up the East store in 83. She She's worked for us since that first year. I mean, so we've got people that have been with us for, for decades. Very valuable employees and and dedicated and and would do anything. Yeah. So, so Jeremy was dad a hard ass growing coming up in the business <laughs> <laughs> to put you on the spot. Uh, no, um, you know, the, the, I think there's there's times where you you expect um, perfection in a in a retail setting, and and that's, um, you know, I don't know that he was a a hard ass on on anybody, but you know, if if something needed cleaned up, he's gonna tell you to, to clean it up. If if somebody's standing around, they're they're probably gonna hear about. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm paying you to to not stand around. Yeah. Um, but no, I you know I, I think what what we do at the garden center is is fun, and um, you know people come to us because they for for fulfillment and, and enjoyment. So you know it's not like we are a in in the repair business where something's broken, and you know so so they, they come to us for for joy, and um, you know I think that's what what people both working and you know our customers are are like absolutely and, what, and the knowledge what is a tough customer you have a you have any tough customers that come in give you trouble tough customers um i don't know you know, of course there, there's people that that have issues there's people that you know ask a lot of problems you'll get um you know maybe some some lonely older folks that don't have many people to talk to that call and, and will ask a lot of questions on the phone. And, and, you know, I think we, we try to be as helpful as we can. Um, right. and you know, you, you talk to people at stores like ours across the country and, and, um, I don't know that it's the same way everywhere, you know? So, so we, we really do try to take care of our customers. And there's relationships that are built with our customers and our employees, Right. I mean, I see relationships. Um, they know their names. I yeah. Mean, you know, just people that have lived in the area and and shop at the stores multiple times a year. And well, and you're probably from a customer standpoint, and this has to be the cool part about having a family business that's been around for 90 years now. Um, you probably have customers that you've seen kind of families generationally come into the shops and you know the 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 snot-nosed kid that used to run around and you'd worry about breaking all the pots or whatever else is now in there you know buying plants and asking for advice because they're a homeowner themselves there that has to be kind of rewarding to see that kind of generationally evolve as far and, as customers and it's fun, or or it's neat seeing those that second generation choose to move back in into the area in, into that community, Riverside or Indian Hills yeah. or, or around the East Store. So. That, and that's pretty important, too, I think, with what's going on in Wichita right now. And we got into it a little bit, but it, it does kind of feel like there's a renaissance right now. And this is why I was so interested just in knowing you guys and, and some of the hobbies that you have. And we'll get into that stuff in a little bit. But you guys are kind of, and I don't mean to sound cliche, but the poster child for 
what I've seen is kind of a renaissance of small businesses that have grown. Uh, you know, you've got several craft breweries. You've got all of these chefs that are opening up restaurants downtown. You've got these other businesses that are springing up. And I kind of talked about it in the intro, but it really does fascinate me because I think um, I think the way that we consume now as a society, because society's grown so big and these cities have grown so big and populations and this whole concept of we're going to go to this big box store and buy all of our stuff there. It seems like for whatever reason, there's been a renaissance in Wichita where it's shifted back to, we want to deal, we want to deal with the local people. We want to deal with the people that have pride in what they do. They have pride and they care about it and they care about us do you, do you guys see that? Have you guys seen that in the customers that are coming in over the last three, four, five years? Yeah, you know, I think we we do. We, we are seeing, you know, like like Marty mentioned, younger people, people my age, coming into the into the you know West Thirteenth Street store that you know older neighborhoods, but you know they're they're buying homes in the in the area. They they want um, you and know they, investing they in those homes, investing in those homes, yeah. they, and they they know that their their parents shopped at at Johnson's Garden Center or a, right. a local nursery, and um, you know, so they're they're going to do that the same thing, and um, you know, yeah. I, I think I think it is important. You know, you, you've got a shirt on there with the Wichita flag, and yeah, there, there's a lot of pride in in Wichita, and um, you know, so yeah, I, I think the, I think one, and maybe you're good to that, but you know, we and we've been talking about it, but Johnson's has been. You say we're a poster child, but we've been fortunate that. We've had three generations of, or four generations of management at the garden center. We've there's been that next generation that's kind of stepped back, stepped into the, grabbed the reins and 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 directed it. Where you know a lot of companies, they're not fortunate to have that next generation to come along. And and um, um, we've you know I thought about that too. It's like you know what's going to happen. You know when yeah. When uh, when Jeremy's mom and I are, are when we're done with this, saying this is all going to be Jeremy's, you know what? Right. And Kristen's, but you know, it's like yeah, it it's a lot to undertake. How how important is that to, for you, um, as far as from a generational standpoint, to see though that you've got kids that want to take ownership in that? That has to be. I mean, that has to be a source of pride for you. It, it's very relieving that. Yeah, I've got. Jeremy and Kristen that yeah. that have that entrepreneurial drive, the the ownership and the and just the the want to put the effort into making this thing successful. Well, and to see the grandkids up at the store, you know, putting in some time. I mean, and I think that's that's part of it. You have to cultivate it from an early early age, and, and I think that's you know from what I'm getting where you guys have been very successful is. It, it just seems like a way of life at this point. Well, and you'll have to say about Jeremy's daughters, it's, um, yeah, I love seeing them there, you know, love visiting with them, but, but they're, they're, they're back in the greenhouse, the two of them by themselves, potting at perennials, and they're not needing any management. Jeremy gets them going, <laughs> and I mean, Today's youngest one was grabbing these three cubic foot bags of soil, dumping it on on the potting bench, and it's oh, like that's awesome. You know, it's <laughs> like I'd, I'd get an occasional text message that, "Hey, Dad, I need some more sunscreen." But uh, <laughs> besides know, that, it was all good, that, huh? <laughs> they're done, and um, 
Stay so, busy. They, they stay busy. Of course, of course, you know, little kids. And um, so they, they get a little paycheck every every couple yeah. of weeks for, for working. And um, so they I think they enjoy having that, seeing that, you know, but um, you bet. I think it's good for them. Yeah. Oh, de- definitely. You know, and that's been something that's um, definitely not on the same level. But when I was younger, I decided uh, from an early age that I wanted to start making money. And so I started my own lawn care business. And it, before I could drive, so my, my dad had this old Mazda pickup truck that he would just kind of drive me around in, and he would kind of drop me off, and I'd <laughs> mow two or three yards here, two or three yards there. And I took a lot of pride in it. I bought I bought my first jet ski by doing that. And so, you know, it was just kind of this thing, and then it evolved and, you know, supported me through high school, um, making some money on the side in the summer times, different things like that. And ultimately, a few years ago, when my dad decided to retire, he asked my son, hey, what do you want to do this summer? What should we do this summer? What sounds fun? And he's like, will you help me start a lawn care business like you did with my dad? And so I see them now, you know, going out and uh, some things kind of shook right. And they ended up with this huge commercial account up in Hutchinson (laughs) that they take care of. And so you live in Wichita. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, it was, um, I I worked up in Hutch at the time. We kind of got, you know, crossways with our lawn care provider. And I'm like, Hey, I know a couple guys and it it just happened to work out, but it it is, it's pretty rewarding to see your kids putting that effort in and, and, and putting forth that effort. And on the flip side, he's at the point, just like you said, with your daughters where he doesn't need the supervision. They back the bad boys off of the back of the trailer and those two go because they just know what they're supposed to do. And it is cool. It's a, it's a pretty big sense of pride to see that. And uh, you mentioned the other day when we were talking on the phone and I think it's cool. And I think we started unpacking it. If I could back up just a little bit from the standpoint of, so, um, what did Johnson's Garden Center look like when you officially, you know, let's say that 1976 date, what did it look like back then? Because I, what I want to do to kind of set the premise for this next segment is I want to walk from what it looked like when you started in the business and you kind of started taking control over shaping Johnson's Garden Center to okay. be what you thought it needed to be to now what it is now that you've got your son and, and Kristen and in the business so I, I just I want to start unpacking it along the way a little bit. Okay, what it looked like back in the 60s and 70s, like I mentioned, we lived next to the garden center. My grandparents lived next door um, to us at, at the garden center, so kind of on the compound. And, and Grandpa Ori Johnson worked up in the, in the greenhouse. He was um, kind of our, oh, I mean, he, he worked part-time, but did a lot of propagation of plants. And my a middle brother Wes gravitated towards the greenhouse. He always helped Grandpa, and in the greenhouse and in growing growing the plants. Um, myself, I was more the retail side of. I liked that the retail side of it. But and then my youngest brother Lyndon, um, he um, he kind of did everything. He worked in the store too. But so it was, and I had high school friends that worked at the store. So it, you would walk into the store, you would see the the, the three Johnson boys, Ori, Harold, um, mom worked in the in the back office, but you would see uh, Jay Dean and Ruby in in the store. So it was more of a it was it was a smaller company then, but we did more more production. Uh, we potted up some some trees. Um, we didn't grow everything, but 
we had these, what we call them cold frames. They were wooden structures with tarps over them. And, and like this time of the year, we would put the petunias, the bedding plants out there in these structures. And if it was going to get cold at night, we didn't, we didn't project it was going to get that cold, but it was, dad would get us up in the middle of the night, go, go pull tarps. So it, it was more, I want to say manual labor, but it was different. It was it wasn't as maybe automated as as right. what it is now. Um, you know, we we worked six days a week. We were closed on Sundays. Okay. Um, the way we we did things a lot a lot by hand. We would mix our own soil, throw it by one scoop at a time in the back of a pickup truck, move it inside, and it was just oh, a lot wow. of hand work. So. Right. But right. uh, no, it we you know we had the back in the '60s we had mom and dad went to a Christmas market one time. That's when we started doing the the uh, the holiday, the Christmas season. So okay. it a lot of things are similar, but it was more uh, on a smaller scale, more of a right. kind of maybe family family farm type operation. Maybe. Yeah. Um, as things have progressed, and and tell me about who. Uh, you, you said Jeremy's brought a lot of ideas and your kids have brought a lot of ideas and fresh, you know, concepts, um, different things like that to Johnson's Garden Center. Uh, one of the things that I see quite a bit of as far as things that you guys publicize that's out on social media that just seems to be a big deal and seems to be one hell of a good time is the Chili Fest that you guys do every year. W- when is that and and kind of how long has that been going on and and how did that get started? Okay, well, back up just a little bit and kind of back to that, that original point. Dad always liked um, promotions and marketing the business. So right. I think that was kind of in, instilled in us. He started doing newsletters, just like a one-page one mail or so, I think. And we did newspaper advertising. We had a, an artist on staff that drew a character of, of Dad. So I think our marketing has always been an integral part and a, and a fun part of our business. So right. we, we've done all different kinds of promotions and, and, and to, to Chili Fest, we were, Jeremy and I had gone to uh, Colorado in the summer of 1999, I, I believe. Sounds about right. Um, and uh, when, when you go, it, it was a, a business meeting. When, when you go out there, you, you know, what do you do when you, when you're in the garden center business, you go look at garden centers. And so, right. um, Mike Spencer, they have a garden center in, in Colorado Springs. And you always talk about promotions. And Mike says, you guys need to be roasting chili. And it's kind of like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You know, what's chili? And I, you know, I'd go out to eat and you'd, you'd go to Carlos Kelly's, and it's like, do you want red or green sauce? Oh, I, I want red. Right. Well, he said, no, you need to do, you need to be roasting chili. He told us about it. So that, that summer we, we bought it one chili roaster and, we drove to Albuquerque and bought, I don't know, 100 bags of, of green chili and brought it back and started roasting them. Okay. We would move that chili roaster between the stores, and um, the next year we figured out, well, we need to have this at every store. So we bought two more roasters, and and um, I don't know when we started doing Chili Fest, but I mean, we've been doing our Chili Fest for probably 15. Yeah, probably since the early 2000s, yeah. I mean, those, those early years. Again, trying to make an event out of right. ro- roasting chili and to teach the people of Wichita what the hell chili was. Exactly. Um, so, we, you know, that, that kind of all started out as a a, a weekend event that... H- had food samples. We'd, we'd have food samples. We'd have we'd have a few 
um, chef presentations or, or some some seminars on how to how to use the, the chili. Um, and then kind of in its most, I guess, most recent iteration is the Iron Chili Head official yeah. name for the, for the event, um, which started, oh gosh, three, five years ago, I think. This is year five or six. Um, but uh, we, we decided with the kind of the, the craft beard with, with uh, BJ and Rick getting uh-huh. open, um, you know, that, that we, and there, there's kind of enough local beer breweries that, that we said, Hey, you know, let, let's see about having these breweries make a, a green chili beer. Right. Um, and since we hadn't planted until kind of the, the chili season, um, that, that year that we got, did you have three or four? Had Wichita Brewing, um, Walnut River and River City. River City. Yeah. Three, okay. three breweries. Um, and they, they produced a beer to be judged at the, uh, River City or the Midwest Midwest Beer Fest. Okay, um, and and I think that that was fun. But so that that year we decided we wanted to have a beer event at at our own store. So we, we right. froze some green chili to, to give to the brewers for the, the next year, and um, decided we would have a an event uh, kind of coinciding with our what was our our chili fest. And uh, that that year we didn't know what to expect. You know, we we bought some tasting glasses had. I think a few more breweries opened up by then, and um, well, that that first year too. I don't let's see. We brought in 144 tasting glasses, I think, and and did we not charge for chili or the beer fest? Right. So, so there was you know no charge. We didn't know what what right. to expect, and um, I think there was the uh, the Heart Spring. There's beer. Butter, what right? do you mean you didn't know what to expect? The week leading up to this event, it's like, God, I think this is this is going to be a a madhouse. And uh, so we had gone and done pedal fest that that morning, okay. and, and and showed back up to the store at like eleven thirty, and it was like, oh, this is going to be a zoo. Well, and, 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 well I, and a lot of your friends are bicyclists, yeah. so I mean, bicyclists and beer, like, yeah. so yeah, yeah. Come, I mean, come, come on in now for, for free beer on <laughs> this Saturday at noon, and, um, and, and the response was. Was crazy. The, the 144 tasting glasses were literally gone in. Well, I I grabbed a box of 36 for you know Marty's friends. Right. I'm gonna pass these out. It wasn't like 10 minutes later. It's like Marty, we need those glasses. We'll get you some more. I, they we, we've did. still none, none of us actually have one of those tasting glasses from the first year because they were gone. But you know, my I had my my wife and daughters there that day, and they were uh, you know filling out. Fill, filling up uh, the the plastic sample cups to give to people when we ran out of the the other tickets, but um, that that's turned into a to a really fun event. And yeah, you know, like last year we had nineteen breweries plus the distillery, and looking to have more. Um, yeah, they did a they did a chili infused vodka or something like that not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken. State, wheat state, wheat state, yeah, a, yeah. Um, yeah. So they they've been a, a strong supporter also, but um, yeah, but, it, it's but, turned into and, a, a fun event and. You know, really, we're up to probably 750 tickets that really? we'll, we'll sell wow. this year. And, and, and there's live music and food trucks and all sorts of stuff now not, at this not point. not just live. It's it's the Bulls and Beer Band from— You need to Google Oh, it. yes. No, you've told me about the Bulls uh, and yeah. Beer Band. Yeah, that they, but, they uh, absolutely punk, sound punk fantastic. Polka, yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that punk would, rock, punk would be hard to beat. Um, and, and how many food trucks will we have there? Uh, we'll probably have ten to twelve food trucks, but um, yeah, you know, really, we don't have the space for them. 
It is so. It is such a hard concept to grasp. But my God, the food that you can get from a freaking mobile kitchen sometimes is some of the best food that you can find to eat. It's amazing to me that I, I know I'm kind of digressing and getting off topic here. But you know, to have 19 options, my head would probably explode. You know, I, you know, I think Johnson's is that just that perfect size of a company and resources to do something like chili fish. You know, yeah. if you're, if you're a, a huge company, you're, you know, you're not going to do that if you're real small. So I think we're, we're fortunate that we have the people and the resources and space to, to it, be able to have, it's a, it's a it's, big, it's, big event to, to put on for, you know, it's a lot of work for, for the staff and enjoy it. And, um, you know, we, we, we try to have, have fun with it. And, um, you know, last year we, we bought a couple, about a T-Rex costume and a, unicorn uh, costume and had a couple friends wearing those around through the, the event and you right. know, just to, to try to have some some fun things for, for people well tell about what's for this year or uh, can you re- is this top secret it's top secret oh crap so you're not oh, you gonna let us know. damn it i'm dying to know now one of those uh those facebook advertisements that pop up yeah and and it was like uh, you can make selfie toast so you could so we we've taken our Iron Chili Head logo and ordered toasters to have the Iron Chili Head. Oh. We're, we're going to be giving away free Iron Chili Head toast at the. Nice. At the Don't tell you anybody. Know, no, 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 yeah, it's a it's top uh, yeah, secret. Right. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> that is that's freaking awesome. Yeah, and, and that's the kind of thing you're not going to get that. I mean, you know, if you go if you go buy mulch out of a bag off of some pallet on some big box store, you're not going to get that kind of attention from from the owners. You're not going to get that kind of care from the owners. And I, I, again, I go back to the fact that I just think we, uh, emotionally as humans have, you know, I think we have progressed past the point of our natural evolution from the standpoint of, we try to automate so much stuff nowadays. We try to consume things in a way that shit's just mass produced and it just, it frustrates me to no end. Um, and the fact that 90 years later, there's still two guys sitting in front of me that care this much about the people that are coming in and buying their, their, their garden products, their plants or all of that stuff from you guys. Um, and you guys care just as much about it today as probably the first generation did. And, and so to me, it's like, why wouldn't you want to go consume products that, that these people are involved with either producing or from a retail standpoint selling? Um, it, it just makes so much more sense to me to, to, to live that way. Yeah, and you know, we all, we face competition. And you mentioned the big box stores and, and yeah, they're competition, but... You know, it's gone beyond that now. You know, it's like, you know, who hasn't sat on their phone and ordered something because it was so much easier? And, right. and you could can you buy that. plants off of Amazon? Surely not, right? You can buy I mean, anything. I guess you can buy anything. <laughs> Shit. I, it, you know, that's one thing that, that we're we're looking at and facing. And and I I know that there are some some plant options, especially with bulbs and dormant plants that um, are sold. But um, you know, that that's the really the kind of one of the downfalls of the, the box stores is it, is it just, you know, whittles down our, our selection so much. And, you know, we, we got a, a shipment in today that, um, you know, of, from a, a small grower in, in Nebraska that had, you know, it was 
it was about 500 flats of, of plants and there were you know, no more than two of each. So there's you know, 250 different kinds of plants that you're varieties. not going to find, wow. different, different varieties that you're not going to find at at a, at the grocery store plant selection, right. not at the you know the hardware store, the the big box, you know. And so that's not going to die in a week, anyways. Probably. Well, I mean, I, I listen. I'm, look. I know what you're saying, but you know, we, we want people. I remember someone saying one time that how Mazda's RX-7 was going to cut into the sale of the Porsche 911. And it's like, well, hopefully, someone buying that that Mazda RX-7 is going to get them hooked into sports cars and they'll buy a Porsche. Right. You know, we realized people, I remember dad even saying years ago, he said, you know, people, he would carry something out of their trunk, open their trunk up and there's something from some other place and they'd be apologetic and he'd always say, no, don't worry about it, you know? Yeah. You know, we want people to have success with plants. If, if they buy a plan at a big box or a grocery store and it dies, they're not going to come to Johnson's probably because it's like, oh, Forget this. I can't grow tomatoes. Yeah. You know, we want them, hopefully, next year, that when they grow the tomatoes, that they buy someplace else. They'll say, Johnson's has 150 varieties of tomatoes. Let me go try something else. That's 150. God, or, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, maybe 120, but, you know. Yeah, still, no, no. But, um, yeah, just to 500 just to varieties the, of tomatoes. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the killer tomatoes that... Oh god, that horrible movie from the 80s. But, um, so, the Chili Fest thing, and... Oh, when is it, you asked? When is it? Yes. August 19th, I think. Eight, 18th? 18th. So, okay. yeah, okay. we've got a, got a palindrome this year, 18-18. Oh. oh, nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's usually the third Saturday in, in August. Okay, um, okay. Well, it's going on the calendar this year. My wife and I have had a couple things going on in the last couple of years, and I've, I've been dying to get out there, not only because the the event just sounds but you go back to your comments that you made earlier about marketing um and i've got two uh cycling jerseys hanging in my closet that are iron chili head jerseys uh just because the marketing and the time and the energy that you put into that uh is pretty incredible and so you know you sell the hats you sell the shirts you sell all these other things marketing's very, very key and very important. And you put a lot of time and thought into that process. Do you not? Yeah, we have, I don't know how many staff people. I mean, it's not a huge staff, but Kristen in St. Louis and Leslie and, I mean, you and I both work on marketing. I mean, Jan, the Jan so is, we, you know, there's pretty, pretty good staff and it's fun. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not all of it's fun, but it's, right. you know, coming, coming up with, New ideas and new new things. Iron Chili had toast. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no. you know, just it just you know, it, it's it's one of the fun things that, um, and being a, a small business like this, we can make those decisions, and you know, they work yeah. sometimes, and they don't work sometimes. Absolutely. Um, I haven't told told you about our being open twenty four hours yet, have I? No, you haven't. I've wanted to do that for years, and I've I keep getting shot down. So. <laughs> Listen, if you could figure out a way to serve me a cheeseburger at 2 a.m. Well, there when I'm you trying go. To get, we'll I, I'm on board we'll with do your 24. <laughs> get that bar crowd in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you talked a little bit about Iron Chili Head. Another event that I've kind of been fascinated about is Drinks on the Acre. Um, talk about that. Talk about where that came from, what you guys do there. What What's all that about? Oh, I think it was five years ago we we started doing, I saw it on the notes here, we started Marty's, Marty's Acre, which was 
the intention was to be a um, gardening community, not a community garden, but a gardening community where we grow things and and share that knowledge. And it, I haven't done or we haven't done uh, a lot with that. But that year we started, it was called Drinks on the Acre, and it was a loose garden chat the second Monday of the month. Well, we'd have two or three people. And that year, it was like this year, it was it was cold, a, a cold, long spring. Well, that's evolved to a home brewers chat. Okay. Second Monday of the month, home brewers, winemakers. And it's just a, um, a, a get together. It lasts, I don't know, three or four hours, starts at about six o'clock. And um, people that have brewed their own beer bring some of that to share. If, if someone that's learning to how to home brew, they come and ask questions. People, uh, BJ came two months ago, brought some of his uh, newer introductions um, from Walnut River. So it's okay. just a fun get together, informal meeting. And there's talking to some people. It was just last Monday night, and there was uh, a couple of guys that were there, and they've just been there since just this winter. <laughs> and they said, "Yeah, we heard about drinks on the acre, and we thought it's going to be like an Amway meeting." <laughs> I'm like, "It's the furthest thing from an Amway meeting you ever get because there's no agenda." And <coughs> excuse me, you know, the stores close, and you know, we probably should be open and take an opportunity to try to sell something to these people. But that is just a fun time to get together, right? So. so um, from that standpoint, and, and tell me if I'm what do you guys sell some craft brewing products and some of those types of things in the store now as well? Yeah, I think it was to spring of 2009 or 10 that we um kind of opened a, a home brew and home winemaking department in, in our 13th Street store. Okay, um, just I had been in, in, the, in the past a, a brewer and um. Yeah, there was a homebrew shop, but I, I don't know that. I think maybe people looking for other other options for right. for homebrew supplies. Um, so that that's kind of where that came from, um, and I guess kind of the drinks on the acre kind of just evolved out of that. But yeah, on our thirteen at our Thirteenth Street store, we've got a full homebrew department. Nice, um, nice, and you know, work with even you know, a lot of the the breweries will you know in kind of the early days they you know they run out of a a grain or they need, need a, you know, broke their hydrometer and they need mm -hmm. to pick some, something up. So we've helped them out. You know, I think worked with, um, Ian from central standard. You know, he, he used to come in and buy grain from us and, oh, wow. uh, when he was just a home brewer. So nice, nice. Um, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because you guys, uh, you know, involved in the Johnson session, spent a lot of time outdoors. Um, your hobbies, though also take you outdoors quite a bit and it just seems like it's in your blood you both spend some time on the bike um more i don't us more than a lot i, more I was gonna say i don't think it's a stretch to say that the marty spends a little bit more time than jeremy um i'm fortunate to be able to do that you are fortunate to be able to do that and at some point probably gonna assume that jeremy will be able to do the same at, and and that's all well and good. We're both raising families right now, and so that takes a little bit of our time, obviously. <laughs> um, but you've, I mean, you've done three tour divides now, and you finished it twice. And that just uh, one of the things, and one of the reasons that I wanted to kind of and had the vision to start this podcast is uh, Marty was a little bit the inspiration to that, and um, I want to give him credit where credits due. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of people outside of the cycling community in Wichita that you, they know the name 
you know, Johnson, Marty Johnson, now Jeremy Johnson, as he's progressing in the business. But what they don't realize is we have a guy right here that has ridden from Banff, Canada, across the Continental Divide, down to the Mexico border. And you've done that twice now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you finished that thing <laughs> twice, right? Right. It made it down to Cuba, New Mexico, and kind of ran out of time. But, um, yeah, I saw this... Uh, I found out about it probably 10, I don't know, 12 years ago, whatever. There was um, there was a route that went originally from, from the Canadian border down to the Mexico border, and people were touring it. And, you know, like anything, guys see something like that, they got to race it. Yeah. Well, then right. that, that first few years, there was a handful of people that started, and then, and then the route was extended 250 miles up to Banff, and they— um, they would race from from Banff down to Antelope Wells, all self-supported. If Aunt Betty lives in um, Helena, Montana, you can't stay at Aunt Betty's house. Okay. If Aunt Betty goes out by the side of the road and passes out drinks to anybody going by, you, you can do that. But it's all self-supported. Um, you can stay in a motel. Anything that's commercially available is... Um, is open for anybody to take advantage of bike shops, grocery stores, whatever. So, but I so say you can't have someone. Um, you can't prearrange. Okay, Josh, tonight I'm gonna I'm gonna ride 100 miles to this campsite. You get the campsite set up, and so there's there's none of that. So okay, there. In I think in 07 they they made a documentary. Then in 09 the documentary came out. It was called Ride the Divide, and right it, that that year there were 15 people. And um, the event really just exploded. And, I, and I, I saw the documentary. And, you know, it's always in the back of your mind. It's like, yeah, that'd be fun to do sometime. Right. And a friend of mine, Mike Strong, who does a lot of um, uh, hiking and adventure-type activities, and we kind of talked about it. And it's like, oh, let's do, let's do a state of year. And, and, um, and uh, so I, I think, I don't know if I actually planned on doing it, but it just was always in the back of your mind, something I wanted to try to do. So I did... You started doing some gravel riding around, and just started doing some longer rides. And um, and in 2015, I thought, well, I'm just just going to go try it and see it. I'll go as far as I can, and if I go halfway, I go halfway. And I was fortunate, had everything worked out, and finished in 29 days. Yeah, 29 days. How many miles? 2753. 2753 in 29 days. So about 100 miles a day. Yeah, yeah. And, and the next year, I thought, you know, if I add 10 miles a day, do that math, I can cut two days off this thing. Right. But 10 miles at the end of the day is not the first 10 miles you ride. It's the last 10 yeah. miles you ride. And and that 10 miles might be from 10 to 11.30 at night when you're ready to okay. sleep. But. Um. And and so for us mere mortals, um, you've done how many times have you done the Dirty Kanza? Uh, you've done the one hundred, right? Done the one hundred. Uh, finished it once and uh, one, of those, mud one of those muddy years. <laughs> yeah. Um, we Marty and I ended up doing the turning off at the fifty and yeah. Well, I think a lot of people did at that least year. made it back to. <laughs> made it well, back we knew to we were going to make fifty miles, so it's like, well, let's just ride back to town instead of having to catch oh, a ride. Right. From yeah, Kelsey exactly. Road. Yep. Um, how much does that? I, I mean, is that is that a product of just loving the outdoors? What's kind of pushed you into cycling, and then what's kind of pushed you into cycling, Jeremy? 
you know, I think for me, it's a, you know, just love of outdoors. And, um, you know, we're, we're so bombarded with technology and um, just so much stimulus and, and getting out on a, on a bicycle. And I think that's why a lot of us like gravel because there's just, you know, you, you get away from all the, the city crap. Right. Um, right. And you can just be out there enjoying, you know, nature and, and you know, your own mind. Yeah. Um, for me, it's been kind of a, a wild experience, but there was always this, and I guess it's kind of interesting because it personally has coincided with, I guess, for lack of a better term, and I used it earlier, but the Renaissance in Wichita. But as a as a guy that initially in his younger years felt like the means to an end was to get to a point where I could progress in my career to move away from Wichita. And so now, yeah, we, I've actually, I've done that twice. I, I mean, you know, I grew up in Mulvane. We live in Derby now, uh, but... I've also lived in Champaign, Illinois, and I've also lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Two great places to live, but the desire to move back here and to be closer to family, my roots, was important. And I never could figure out why, but the one thing that I started realizing as I started kind of getting out, started getting on a bike, and ultimately started getting into gravel cycling with guys like Dave Ham, Steve Roboto, and some of those guys was... Wichita's got a whole lot to offer, but you have to get your ass off the couch and go look for it. And if you get out and you go look for it, you can find a lot of really cool shit to go out and do, but you, you can't just sit around and wait for those opportunities to come to you. And as I started doing that, and as I started exercising that, you know, personally through getting out and riding my bike, I also started seeing other people doing it through other things. And what's really cool is I've started seeing people um, start to develop that and turn it into businesses and turn like BJ, turning it into ways to make money. And it's really fascinating to me. But what's even more fascinating is you guys have taken that, you guys have been doing it for a long time. I mean, it's, you know, the family's been doing it for 90 years. And to me, that is just absolutely a, an incredible story in and of itself. Um, so what, what's fulfillment? I mean, is fulfillment in, in the business? I mean, do you ultimately hope that at some point, you know, 90 years later, there's eight generations in this thing? I mean, is that or I, where do you think Johnson's goes from here? Uh, you know, I guess I would hope that, but at some point if the decision is made that there isn't a Johnson's as you see it today in 20 years, I'm, I'm fine with that too. I mean, if if at that point, like I say, when Jeremy's, you know, my age and, you know, 20 years, it's like, you know, this is, someone comes along and, Offers him a wad of cash for it. It's like, man, you yeah. you better take it. Right. You know, right. I'm saying, if you know, there's two things. One of two things will happen to a business. Yeah. It's yeah. sold or or it closes. And, right. Yeah. You know, at some point, it'll happen to Johnsons. Yeah. Hopefully, the granddaughters will carry it on, and then it'll right. go on to the next next generation after that. But if it doesn't, so be it. And I, and I guess that's part of it. And and I guess that's a question that I have for you guys. And and I 
I think I know the answer, but it's just, you know, I, I can't help but ask it. And that is, uh, we, I guess, and I come from a family and my grandparents were this way and my parents were this way. And it seems like you guys are this way where, uh, we sacrifice at times so that our children can hopefully stand on our shoulders and achieve heights greater than ours. And so at some point, if those kids decide or grandkids decide, you know, a generation or so down the line that this isn't something that I necessarily want to move forward with, are, are you guys okay with that at that point? Yeah, you know, I, I think you hope that your your children are going to make good good decisions, right? And um, if you know, I, I think if if what we're doing isn't deemed a good decision, you know, I, I think then that's yeah, you know, it, if if we've done our job as as parents, then um, yeah, I think that's. I'm, I'm okay with that. No, that I like. I said I thought I knew the answer to that, and it's 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 awesome to hear people say it because it just you know that's. Um, I had a conversation with my daughter the other day, and you made the comment to her. I said I don't think it is our job to tell the younger generations what to think. It's to teach them how to think for themselves. And I, I, there's a lot of stuff that my daughter and I don't agree on. There's a lot of stuff that we do agree on. But at the end of the day, the pride is in the fact that I've raised her how to think for herself. And what's cool is that that Johnson's has survived now through five generations and thrived through five generations, not because, you know, the generation before them said, oh, we're going to do it this way. We're going to rule this with an iron fist. I think there's a I see a lot of flexibility in your business model as far as you know, we're going to support the next generation. We're going to encourage them. We're going to do our best to bring them up in the business. But at the same time, we're going to give them some leeway to try new things. Uh, sometimes they may fail. Sometimes they may be great successes. Uh, but one way or another, that is how this evolves and continues to be successful. Is you know, that? I, I think yeah. I've been given a, a tremendous amount of, of leeway growing up in the business and um, you know, been allowed to make a lot of my own decisions and, um, you know, some we'll discuss beforehand and others we, we, we may not. And, um, you know, some work and some don't, but I, I think that that's where I've been fortunate and that I've been able to, um, to, to at least thrive or fail on my own. And, and right. I think that, you know, growing up in the business, I, I think, you know, dad's known that I think knows kind of the decisions that I'm going to make. And uh -huh. I think he can predict um, for the most part because he's he's seen me through, you know, 30 years in the business. And, and I think awesome. by the same token, the, the three boys, our dad let us make decisions also. Uh -huh. You know, he was, you know, he could always bounce things off of him and he always had input, but he always... He let us make decisions and and run things like like we should, and you know probably would make decisions different than what he would have. And Jeremy's make makes decisions that you know if it was up to me, we wouldn't have a beer department now. Right, I, I love it. Yeah, but I wouldn't have thought about doing that ten years ago. But uh -huh. you know, it, it's a great addition to the business. And can we retire on it? No, 
but it, it certainly brings a new customer into the store that, yeah. that we wouldn't have had. So, no, there's, I I hope I've, you know, our management style is different, a, a lot different. You know, I'm, I, I call it hands-on. Uh-huh. Some people call it micromanaging. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeremy, I mean, he, you know, he's the best at delegating to people. Yeah. You know, and, you know, so it's, it works. I, I I say I hope I let him make his decisions, and I think he just said he I do. So yeah, that's awesome. No, I could I could go on and I could you know probably talk to you guys for a couple more hours. I don't want to do that. Um, you know, I I wanted to get you both in here. Um, and Marty, incredibly uh, grateful that you did uh, say, hey, let's get Jeremy yeah, in here no. too and have this conversation because I think it just flows so well together and it paints a picture of you know, what a successful family generation looks like or family business looks like from a generational standpoint. And I think it's awesome for people to see that. Uh, the, I, I guess probably the most que uh, pressing question I have for you on the evening, though, and Jeremy, I'll let you answer as well, is Takati in a blue can or Takati in a red can? Uh, it, it will be blue can. It'll be blue can. Okay. Yeah. What about you? A blue can. Blue can. Okay, yeah. okay. I'm a red can myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, that had to have been a uh, that that had to have been a daily struggle on the tour divide. Uh, the other thing, I guess, and and I'll wrap that it was up. Baja divide or Baja divide. Yeah. Baja divide. Yeah. Um, tacos and and beer and riding your bike, uh, right? Uh, it, yeah, that that trip was amazing. I rode from uh, San Diego down down the Baja Peninsula. And uh, it was, I think, 1,500 miles. That took five weeks. Okay. Um, the route was, uh, it was very remote, and the roads were tough. So I'm doing like 50 miles a day. Did that in January, so the, the days were short and didn't like riding as much at night. But um, I tell you, there's, at the time, I said, I'm going back to Baja every winter. And I, I didn't go this winter. I, I wish I would have got as cold as it was. But, you know, dollar, you talk about, you know, the food trucks here in town, and, and they're great, you know, some of the best food in town, but every little shack you come to in Baja is is just like one of these fantastic food trucks in Wichita. And you're, and best you're buying, taco you ever ate? Best taco I've ever eaten. Yeah. And, and it's and it's it's 20 pesos. And back then it was like 19 pesos to a dollar. So you're buying this fantastic taco for a, a dollar. And right. And Tecate's, can of Tecate's, or... Uh, yeah, is, is a dollar so. Yeah, so you could eat four tacos and drink a drink a beer for five bucks, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's the kind of oh, bike yeah. riding yeah. I want to yeah. do. <laughs> no, it it was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, guys, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I appreciate the hell out of you guys for coming on here. Can't thank you enough, Jeremy. Um, I've heard a lot about you through your dad and riding with him. Uh, as I've ridden with him through the years, it's been a pleasure to get to know you That's a little bit great. more and visit with you. Uh, guys, thanks so much. Can't thank you enough for coming Do on. Do we get to come back? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Next week? Well, I don't know about that. All right. <laughs> no, we'd love to come back. No, and... absolutely. Yeah, we'd love to get, have you guys back on. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things BJ announced on our last episode that they were looking at um, some property here in Wichita down around the Delano district to potentially expand 
back into the Wichita market. I know he's a Wichita guy, uh, has lived in Wichita and, and still does live in Wichita. So uh, was really happy just because they've been a strong supporter of a lot of things that we've had going on. Uh, you guys have been the same. Uh, it's always fascinating to visit with you. It's always great to visit with you, Jeremy. So, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely make you guys some regulars and All get right. you on here right. on a pretty regular basis. You need to have BJ and Jeremy on. Oh, hell yeah. They can talk about how that, how that whole, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you remember about your time with your or BJ in college? Uh, we, we shouldn't ask that question. Yeah. Right, no, well, I remember, <laughs> as I tell a story that your, your project in, in your class was, was a brewery and you can't have beer on the friends campus. So they, I think you still have this bottle of beer that has all the components in the, in beer in the bottle. So you've got the hops, you've got the yeast, and oh, that's whatever. awesome! Yeah, no, that's awesome. I was I was amazed. BJ told me um, during the last episode. I, I think I, I think we were live when he said this. Um, Luke, correct me if I'm wrong, but he he mentioned the fact that he thinks Wichita can sustain another twelve he craft that. breweries. It's like holy crap! Hey, I'm all for it. Like you know, and I think those. Those people are too, I think. Yeah, no, it, yeah, they, it, they those guys well are all very supportive yeah. of each yeah. other, which is awesome. Awesome. This Saturday, Rage Against the Chain Ring. Yeah, this Saturday, uh, you're going to be man. out at Rage it's Against the Chain Ring. We're going to be right across the street from where we're I at know. right now. Um, and those guys over at Boudreaux Burger Barn here in Peck, uh, those guys are freaking awesome too. Doug makes a hell of a hamburger. Uh, yeah, I'd like to get Doug before. in here one day. Yeah, we yeah, ought to get should. Doug in here yeah. one day no, I and tell him to bring I, food. <laughs> Did you eat a burger? I had the chicken strips. Chicken was, strips, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, a, I'm a chicken strip man. Well, yeah, hell, you live ahead. across the street. I'd weigh 500 pounds if I lived across the street. <laughs> I'm from not doing food. too good with it. Okay, okay. Well, guys, hey, again, Josh, thank you. Let's thanks for coming on. Thank you. you got a website we can go to? You got an internet presence? Johnsonsgarden.com. Johnson's it's a brand new website also. Oh, sweet. Okay, everybody check it out. Or, good or stuff. Uh, yeah, tune into Facebook Live with Marty. He's going to start making some regular appearances, I think. Awesome, awesome. And check out their Facebook page. They're always posting specials. They're always posting uh, promotions. Right. You got any promotions going on right now, guys? We have a perennial promotion going through this weekend, but then next week, we didn't talk about that. That's probably our busiest weekend of the year. It's our um, annual flat sale. Oh, yeah. Which we have our the fill a flat, the, the fill a flat sale. That starts next Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday through Sunday. So, uh, um, yeah, that's that's coming up. And uh, with this weather, it always throws a kink in it. But, yeah, we'll, we'll be ready. And and then the other thing, and, God, it's just we, we keep trying to wrap up, but we're all just so interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, – the Tour de Trees happens in the fall, and you're a big part of that too, right? Right. That is, it goes along with um, EcoFest at the Arboretum. I'm trying to think of the date. I was going to look earlier, but it, it's a bike ride out of the Arboretum. Uh, it's a 25 or 50-mile um, loop, and um, good time. I see down at the Arboretum. And that's the, the Arbor the Bartlett Arboretum's right outside of Belle Plaine. Is that right? It's I mean, it's not that far from here, on really. On the west side of Belle Plaine. Okay. Yeah. At so, the railroad tracks. So look for the promotions on that as well. Um, if you like to if you like to ride your bikes, if you like to eat good food from food trucks and drink beer, that is a perfect place to be. If you don't like riding a bike and you like good beer and food trucks, 
It is a good and place to be. And the Arboretum, too. And the you, Arboretum. You need to have Robin Macy on here sometime. Yeah, the Arboretum is, is a beautiful place. It's awesome. So uh, make sure that you, you like Johnson's Garden Center on Facebook. Make sure you check out the Bartlett Arboretum on Facebook. Those promo, that, that promotion, and they'll start putting dates. I think they've already probably got dates out for that. Check all that stuff out, guys. Once again, it's Josh, been thanks. a blast having you on. Thanks Thank for you. coming on, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. We Move Wichita is produced by Luke Wallace and Josh Sears. Copyright 2018. Recorded at Red Cat Recording Company. Engineered by Luke Wallace. Intro music by Yellow King. Find them on facebook.com forward slash Yellow King 316. Outro music by Bobby G. We Move Wichita.com.